You're listening to Dig to Win, the podcast that levels up your e-com game and inspires you to adopt a winning entrepreneurial mindset. Here are your hosts, Michael Fennick and Jamie Paros. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Dig to Win podcast. I'm joined by my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jamie Paros. Jamie, welcome, brother. Hey, mate. How you going? Hey, all the listeners out there, episode eight. We love doing these and welcome to another show. We've got a cracker again today and we're just discussing a few things before we just jumped on on, on the recording and it's going to be really, really exciting. I'm excited to talk about some of the topics, but um, we're getting close to Christmas, Mick, so I know we've got a few shows to go, but I just want to let everyone know out there, Merry Christmas to you and your family. If you don't hear the other shows leading up to Christmas and the festive season, it's just a busy time of the year, but it's an awesome time of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And um, hopefully everybody out there in the econ world's having an unbelievable Q4. I know there was some record record stats that came out today, in particular um, in Australia, um, November and the Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales was an increase of 13% on last year, which was quite interesting. Um, and I just believe that it's going to get bigger year on year because obviously a lot of people want deals and buying stuff online and it's huge. Um, so, mate, with that, I think we get straight into it because we've got an epic show, as you said, and we'll be getting uh, into it and rolling up the sleeves right after this. The Dick to Win, Ecom Intel. Yes, yeah, so we have some ecom intel for this week, Michael. Some ecom intel. I like the I like the phrase that we came up. A little bit of little bit of inside intelligence of what's going on now. As you know, everyone knows this is very ecom flavored uh, podcast, very Amazon centric, as is you know what we do and where we where we live and breathe. But um, it was interesting. Some people have seen this week potentially. Um, the videos and reports of Amazon bringing out their own ships, logistics, taking it to a whole, a whole another level as Amazon do. They don't muck around when they do things. Oh, you know, let's just go get a ship and some planes, and we'll get. They just don't muck around. I love how they go about it. But anyway, that's cool. Um, and we wanted to just have a little bit of a riff on what that means for us as sellers and what it means for Amazon and how we see the puck moving with logistics and shipping. And and basically, Michael, what we've seen during the week is Amazon have acquired some leasing on some um, ships, either refurbishing logging ships and liquid like oil and and those sort of ships and fitting them out with containers to hold containers. And for those of you who don't know, but I don't know where people might have been hiding if they don't know, but there is a massive backlog in the US bringing in goods from overseas at the ports. Some of the biggest ports like LA, Long Beach Port, we're seeing record lineups of ships, Michael, 30, 40, 50 ships being reported as just waiting in the bay to come in and unload. Now, Amazon have got a massive supply chain of products, massive suite of products that they need to keep their business going. And what they've done, they've come out, they've grabbed these ships that are, you know, being put to the side or, you know, um, refurbishing them, as I said, building their own 53-foot containers um, and starting their own shipping 
pulling up in some of the less busier ports. And instead of being in a queue of 40 or 50 ships rolling in in a day or two and, you know, getting their stuff off. So, Michael, we're going to talk about that, how we see that going, what we think about it. I've got some interesting thoughts on it, but first I'm just going to bring you into it. And um, huge play. Also, I did mention planes. They're also getting planes now in the U.S. to distribute their goods. They're even shipping, um, flying stuff in from other countries. It's insane. Michael, your thoughts, and I'll um, and we'll chime in here. Yeah, I saw I saw that video, and it was just it was, and I know I use this term a lot, but it was awesome. And the reason why it was awesome is because you really get an understanding of how big Amazon and that part of their business is, because they've got other parts like AWS and all different parts, okay, and Whole Foods and and all that sort of thing. But um, what 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 came out of it for me was the fact that. Even Amazon, even Amazon themselves have felt the pinch with the current shipping situation. And that is 35, you know, container ships hanging out on the water at anchor off Long Beach Port. So even Amazon are feeling that pinch. So they've thought, you know what? We're going to manhandle this. We're going to actually take our own destiny in our own hands. And then they've really pivoted and thrown, you know, I don't know, $16 billion at it, right, <laughs> to get their own, you know, triple sevens that can carry 385,000 pounds. And I think that's the equivalent of, for memory, five and a half 40-foot containers, right? Yep. Um, they've, like you said, refurbished all these different boats and they're smart. They don't want delays, right? They're going to less busier ports, smaller ports. So what I like about the thinking, and I think the lesson that we can extract is, there's a problem, Amazon are feeling it, and they've improvised, adapted, and overcame, and they've overcame it in a really unbelievable way, probably different to you know the average e-com seller. They're buying ships and planes and going to do it all themselves. <laughs> so um, just a, it's just a big, awesome beast of a business, mate. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, mate. And um, look, I've got a bit of a take on it. I think that, you know, People have asked in various groups and you know communities, you know, what does that mean for me as a as a as an Amazon seller, and and you know, are they going to offer space to you know us and and help us with delays? I don't think that's where their play is. I know Amazon have got their own logistics services, but as far as their boats and their containers at the moment, what I gathered from the information that was shown on this um this 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 little doco was they're really just trying to ease their own pressure and then by investing this money potentially going in and saying to your Fords or your GM Motors or you know these really big companies hey we've got a bit of a solution here do you want to do x and wait in a queue for 40 days or 40 ships or do you want to do x and come over here with us and we've got 53 foot containers that we can relieve that pressure for you guys too i'm not sure which way they're going to go with it I, and and I've seen comments, you know, that you know, rates will probably adjust be adjusted by the really because if we think about it on the scale of how many ships and planes are out there in cargo, Amazon are just a, a little pinprick in in the size of what's out there in the world. So if they were to go into that space, I think the big ship liners and cargo planes would adjust rates and it all level itself itself out. I think this is, I don't know if it's a 
if it's a if it's if it's a long term play that they're doing, or they're looking to to do something to alleviate this until it gets back to normal, I'm not sure. But if they do play in the space, I really don't think they're going to be looking for, you know, Jesse and and Sarah from Australia and helping them with their 59 cartons. You know what I mean? I don't think that's their play. I think that, you know, their play is the really big bulk stuff. And so, you know, for that funny example, Jesse and Sarah, I think this is a good thing. If you think about all the containers now Amazon are making space for in these shipping lines, I know it still might be minute, but it's still a lot of containers and it'll ease congestion. If they're taking traffic elsewhere, we might start to see slowly, slowly these delays and holdups being pegged back. Because if you think about how many containers Amazon are shipping per month and maybe Walmart and, you know, um, Home Depot and all those big Americans that Amazon are trying to, you know, get in bed with, bed with, with, um, with shipping, that's going to make more leeway for us and shipping lines to help recover. I think it's a good thing. So not sure what you think, mate. Yeah, that's the vibe I got, mate. Um, the, the vibe I got was the fact that Amazon are only thinking of themselves, their own products, and they were hell-bent on keeping them in stock. Mm. And then they're thinking, okay, while we're at it, if we're feeling the pinch and want to get ahead of the queue and create our own ships and stuff, well, let's go to the, all the other big organizations and see if we can get them to click the ticket on our on our containers and we can make extra money. So... Um, I think it's a positive thing for us because it might ease somewhat the demand on that regular shipping route, let's call it. But like you said, mate, when you think about Amazon compared to all the other freight moving around the world, you think about you know big industrial parts and like we're not talking e-com here. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. So um, it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next you know 12 months or so. But I will say, you know, Amazon is a is a company that does have is just tracking lots and lots of data points, and I reckon their data point tracking and the way they operate their business, I reckon that it was flagged that a potential way that they're going to leak money in terms of their profit and loss statements every year and stuff. I reckon a big red flag was raised around their supply chain, and it was probably advised that they they invest and solve that problem and stop that leak of of the cash going out through. You know, having to wait, and you think about it. Imagine if Amazon ran out of stock for a week on a particular any number of SKUs. What money they're missing out on? Like you're talking yeah. hundreds of millions, mate. Yeah, you, you raise a good point, and I think you know from a company standpoint, you don't just start refurbishing refurbishing ships and making containers without wanting to see over time with that investment a return. So maybe this is their strategy over the long term. X amount of dollars invested over X amount of time will return us X amount of dollars if we run our own supply chain for our stuff. If you think about all the money they're spending in shipping, but you know what? To run a ship, to lease it, you know, I, I saw in that video is minimum 12-month lease. Even if you use it for six months, you've got to have it for 12 months. The fuel, the staff, the whole thing that would go into it, I, I just... It boggles my mind to think of what that would look like to run ships and planes, right? But at the end of the day, like you said, the amount of SKUs, the amount of brands, the amount of products, you're talking about millions of products. And then multiply that by millions of sales a day. 
there would have been a data point to suggest that we need to invest here to cover our risk of where our business could fail. So it's an interesting discussion. I love talking about it, but um, yeah, Mick, it's um, something that is is interesting moving into 2022. I think that there is some good positives for us smaller micro brand builders. I think shipping will eventually ease. We saw like a lot of congestion there in Q4. I still think that people have got a lot of stuff that was meant to be there in Q4, Mick, that's just dwindling out and, you know, um, you know, sorry, dwindling into the ports and, and, and we'll see some recovery next year. And, and if Amazon are doing this as a play, I think it's going to be good for us as sellers. Yep. Absolutely, mate. But um, <clears throat> it was an interesting video and I encourage people, um, it is, uh, it was linked in the Endgame Network. So if you're not a member of the Endgame Network, join that Facebook group and there is a link there to watch the video. And the mind absolutely boggles at the size of the beast that is Amazon. And with that, we'll be right back after this. The dig to win, fire up fuel. Right, eh, guys? Our favourite time of the week, fire up fuel. Welcome back. And this week we have got a an interesting fire up fuel, to say the least. Um, I, I want to talk about something that is, um, you know, when I think back, and many people will think back, like what actually made us as entrepreneurs or to drive us in this direction to do this because when you think about it it's pretty hard slog michael being an entrepreneur copping it from left and right you've got to have a bit of resilience about it we have to have that type of makeup in us to actually do it and you know what some people put their feet in the water and it's not for them and that's cool and then there's others doesn't matter if it's hot or freezing cold water they just jump in and they're willing to do anything to get there and reach their goals. And we've talked about that. But what I want to talk about is I tried to think back in my timeline, what made me have such an amazing work ethic? I want to outwork everybody. I've got this desire, this this obsession with reaching goals and all that sort of stuff. And we started thinking about our first jobs, Michael, and it was so funny when we started chatting about it, right? And I invite our listeners to have a think about your first job and and the process of working for somebody and what made you think, I'm done, I've got to start working for myself and live life on my own terms, if I can. So I think back to my first job. My first job was in a drum store. Some of you may or may not know, I played drums. I was obsessed with drums. I loved drums. I lived and breathed drums. That's all I did. And at 16 years old, Michael, the biggest and the best drum store in Melbourne, I wrote to them and said, hey, can I do work experience for two weeks? Because I don't know if you remember, like in Form 4 or Year 10, you had to do two weeks work experience somewhere. So I wrote a letter to the boss of this unbelievable double-story unbelievable drum stores like when I drove past I just shook like I was in heaven you know (laughs) and I wrote to him and I said hey do you reckon I could do work experience and he wrote back to me and he said yep you can and I freaked out I was like mom I've got work experience at the drum store like it was I was freaking out and I went in there and I met him and he was like a bit of a celebrity because he was a drummer in the day. And there was all these guys that used to go in there shopping and knew all the retail staff. And I thought like I, he gave me a T-shirt to put on, you know, with the store and that. I thought I was like 16. I thought I was in a bit. You know what he said, Michael? He showed me around the store, the boss, and he took me straight to the toilet. <laughs> he said, your first job is you got to clean all the toilets, right? 
And I remember being 16, cleaning like the toilets upstairs, female, male, the toilets downstairs, and just thinking, what am I doing here? Like, I thought I was going to be, like, selling drums and, like, putting drums together. And I'm in the toilet literally cleaning, and people are wanting to go to the toilet. I've got to get out, wait for them, then they go to the toilet. Excuse me, everyone. And then I'm going in and cleaning up. It was, like, full on. And I just thought to myself just the other day, and when we're talking about this podcast, those sort of things make you, like, it was hard, it was... It was a reality check of what real life's about that, you know, this guy who built this drum store, now I think back as an entrepreneur, he started that store, he had to buy the storefront, he bulldozed a triple front store in Melbourne, built a double story building, prefab concrete, put all his hard work, borrowed probably millions of dollars, stocked it with stock for the Melbourne drumming community here in Australia, I freaked out. So I just think that there's an... But but what I want to say, just before I pass it to you, Michael, because I've been talking for a bit, but I never wanted to be an employee. I always wanted to be him. I wanted to be the store owner. Yeah, wow. I wanted to own the store. I didn't want to be, and I'm not putting down people that clean toilets because I've done it and, of course, we do it. Um, and I do it at home. But I'm just saying it drove me inside me to say, you know what, I want to be the store owner. I want to be the top. I want to be at the top. And I think these sort of lessons are important. Michael, over to you. It's so funny, mate, because, um, you know, your first job at the the drum store and you're cleaning toilets, well, mate, we had similar jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my father was um, probably started one, like this is back in the day, like one of the, the largest commercial cleaning businesses here in Sydney. And he you know, at one stage had 110 employees. He had a real big business. And, you know, me being in year sort of eight and nine, I said, Dad, you know, can I just come and do some stuff with you on a Saturday and get some pocket money? So, mate, I, I'd go to I'd go to his work and, mate, I was cleaning toilets. I was, you know, <laughs> mopping up sewerage overflow. Mate, you name it, we did it. But the good thing is the old man paid pretty good back then. And, you know, back in the day <laughs> getting a 50-buck note was like, Getting paid five hundred dollars a week today, but um, but what I saw, um, I looked at my father as an example of being the business owner, as you did with the drum store owner, and I looked at my father, and he was making the decisions. Hmm. He was, you know, um, you know, steering the ship in terms of the direction of the business. Um, he was hiring people. He had people underneath him to do certain jobs. And I looked at that and thought, wow, I mean, who, and I can remember thinking, like, who does he answer to? And, like, I thought, there's no one on top of him, so that's really cool to see. So, um, you know, my entrepreneurial drive, and I suppose it's in my DNA a little bit because I saw my father do it. And, um, yeah, ever since then I've started many different businesses and I've been, you know, I suppose you can call it the person at the top or whatever you want to call it. And um, it's really cool to to be able to make the decisions, but most importantly, employ people and help people put food on their table and all that sort of stuff. So it's really cool. But there's um, there's a lesson here, Jamie, as well. Like, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're all, I mean, a lot of people want to be the boss in their own business because, I mean, okay, let me ask you, Jamie, having your own business, what are the perks? 
Like, well, the obvious ones are you can you can do things when you decide to do them. It's it's not even the monetary side of things. It's just being able to I feel have control of my own being, of where I want to be at what time. And yeah, we've got to work crazy hours, but being able to be in control. Okay. <clears throat> I love it. So if you think back, let's think back to the drum store owner. He had to mm. knock down that building. He built a pre-concrete pre um, slab joint, two stories, spent millions of dollars, but he had to then stock it up. He would have spent hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, right? Big yeah. risk. Let's draw it back to e-com, right? Mm. You can start an e-com business. Now, there's a couple of ways you can do it, and let me just explain quickly. You can set up a Shopify store. You can drop ship products out of China to the US, and you only pay for inventory once you have a sale on Shopify. Your outlay is basically zero because you're always making a profit because you're buying at $5, but you've sold that dash cam for 45 right? Then let's shift to the Amazon FBA model fulfilled by Amazon, right? Same thing. Yeah, a little bit more of an outlay. But what business model can you start with, say, 10 or 15 grand and potentially sell that business within two years for a million bucks? That's why we are passionate about Amazon FBA because it's a model where you get to partner with the biggest beast of a company in the world. And if we cast our minds back to the e-com intel section, they're hiring boat, they're building boats and planes and everything just for their own stock, and you can partner in that infrastructure. So, Mate, you, you hit it on the head, mate. You hit it on the head. It's a really important one that I want people to, to think about. And I think about like people doing 100K of sales, Michael, on Amazon, and what that drum store owner would have had to do to just turn over a hundred K in the month, not even his margins. And then the retail and the power and everything like that. So it's pretty powerful, mate. Well, I actually did some research yesterday and 27,000 Americans in the last 12 months have sold more than a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock on Amazon. Unbelievable. 27,000 mums and dads out there that are starting this business. They're their own bosses. You know, I know there are a lot of factors with margin and, you know, like yeah, it's, it's, it's not just the laptop lifestyle where you just set it and forget it. We're not like that. But, yeah, it's um, an unbelievable an unbelievable business model. And, Jamie, any last words, mate, before we wrap up the show? No, I think it's fair to say, mate, um, me and you were both dunny cleaners and that's where we started. Um <laughs> <laughs> And I'm proud of it, mate. I'm proud of it. And it's, it made us who we are. So, no, nah, it's all cool. But it was a pretty cool fire-up fuel, and um, I just hope everyone enjoyed that one. Yeah, awesome stuff. And, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for lending us your ears for Episode 8. We are absolutely pumped to bring you Episode episode 9 next week. And we hope you have a great weekend, and you take care, and we'll see you next week for Episode 9 of Dig to Win. You've been listening to Dig to Win. To connect with Michael and Jamie, follow them on Instagram at Jamie Powers and at Michael Fennick. Or join their award winning Amazon Facebook group, Endgame Network. <laughs>